Colossians 3.23-24 Whatever you do, work at it with all your heart, as working for the Lord, not for men, since you know that you will receive an inheritance from the Lord as your reward. It is the Lord Christ you are serving. I am a freshman at the Bear Creek School. When I first came in sixth grade, our class verse was Colossians 3.23-24. It has really stuck with me these past few years. Especially starting high school, I'm really trying to figure out what I want to do with my life. And the truth is, I don't know. But I guess the more important question is, what does God want to do with my life? Because if God has a plan for me, then He put me where I am for a reason. Sometimes it feels like there's nothing I can do to help anyone, but I know that I can work for God in everything that I do. It's hard, but it's worth it, and the inheritance is real. Shouldn't this make me live my life differently? It doesn't always, but it should, because it is the Lord Christ I am serving. So Lord Jesus, we ask that you would make that scripture come alive for us today, and that we would see that it is you that we are serving every day of our life. So come, Lord Jesus, and speak to us, we ask. Amen. It is really great to be with you today, and it's also really emotional to be with you today because we're not only finishing our summer sermon series, I'm preaching my last sermon as your executive pastor, and that chokes me up. So I'm going to try to share with you uh, my gratitude and my hopes, and um, you can probably count on some tears, and in the midst of all that, I trust that God will speak to you, and he has a scripture for us to learn from. As we stand on the threshold of a season of revival, some of you might be wondering, why am I leaving Belle Press? It's really a great question. And I will tell you that it is because God called. This is not my idea of a fun time. Over the past year, I felt that God was preparing Bell Press for a new chapter, and I had a sense that it wouldn't be my chapter to help write. To be honest, I feared that God was letting me know that that battle with cancer was returning. Fortunately, it wasn't that. It was just a call to serve another church. And this church has been a Bell Press partner, and they need somebody to do the kinds of things that I have done over the past eight years here at Bell Press. God is on the move in a new and exciting way at Bell Press, and we're not alone in that. In fact, there is a new era. It's called post-Christendom. And this new era is to address perhaps some of the failures that got us here. Not just Bell Press, but around the world, the church seems to have become very focused on personal faith, not the living out of that faith, just kind of a me and God kind of faith. Today's scripture offers a corrective. From prison, Paul wrote to the Colossian Christians saying that faith is to affect every aspect of our life. Abraham Kuyper, a pastor who became prime minister of the Netherlands, said, The light of the church is meant to shine out through its windows to areas far beyond, illuminating all the wide range of human life and activity. It's not just about Sunday. It's about every day. But Bell Press, we are really good at Sundays, aren't we? We are really good at worship. In fact, to be honest, my very favorite part of my week is right here in this room, which gets me choked up again. 
But God is to be glorified in this same way beyond these walls, in every sphere of our life, family, government, the arts, our economy, education. As Pastor Francis Chan said at Worship in the Park, we don't watch the Seahawks for the huddle, right? We're interested in the plays, the touchdowns. The huddle is not on the highlight reel on SportsCenter. But we are tempted in the church to make it all about Sunday. What we're singing, who's leading in worship, who's preaching, what's the preacher wearing. God is not taking account of our wardrobe. God is pouring out his spirit and his truth, loving each person, empowering his, his people to love the world he serves. That's what worship is about. God cares more about what happens after the benediction than what we wore into the worship service. When we huddle up on Sundays, it is a holy huddle. We have a pastor who can call the play and quarterback the Bell Press church team. Here's a leader that you can trust. Come on up here, Mr. Dudley. <laughs> What's the pose there? I should have brought a football. Okay, so Scott, we can't give you that multi-million dollar contract that Russell has. And you know, we, we can't quite build the kind of stadium either. But I read about what you said uh, when you were coming to the church in the very beginning back in 2002. Here's what the Seattle Times article said about Scott. Besides saying that he looked more like he should be the junior pastor than the senior pastor. <laughs> The article quoted Scott saying that this church, this church, Bell Press, could become a beacon of hope for the east side. And Scott is quoted as saying, the purpose of life is to know God and to build God's kingdom. I believe you have led the church to do that, to know God, to build the kingdom. There are fruit of these last years that we can point to, Jubilee Reach, Service Day, Eastside Academy, the Renew Homes, the sponsoring of children in here at Eastside Academy, in Rwanda, in Guatemala, in Costa Rica. You have led this church to get outside of the walls. And I believe that God has a plan that that continues in a mighty way. So friends, I would like us to thank God for bringing Scott Dudley to this church. God has not finished using Scott at Bell Press. The revival has begun, but it has not yet come in full. We can bring it closer by following Paul's exhortation. In today's passage, Paul is directing us beyond Sunday and into our Monday through Saturday lives. After Paul gives specific instructions to wives and husbands, children and parents, slaves and masters, he says to the whole community, whatever you do, work at it with all your heart as working for the Lord, not human masters. Since you know that you will receive an inheritance from the Lord as a reward, it is the Lord Christ you are serving. There's a disconnect between Sunday and Monday, and it has crippled the church's outreach into the most strategic mission field in the world, the place where we spend not just one hour, but the majority of 100 working hours each week. Paul calls the follower of Jesus to become a royal priesthood. It's not about the huddle, friends. It's about the play. Bell Press, what are you going to be doing on Tuesday morning? What if we saw our weekdays as our mission field? 
as a computer programmer, financial manager, barista, working retail or at a nonprofit, owning your own business or working for a difficult boss. As a landscape architect, a hairstylist, a house cleaner, a police officer, a nurse, administrator, an artist, a student. Perhaps there's no paycheck for the work you do, managing a household, caring for aging parents, volunteering at Jubilee Reach or Eastside Academy. Paul addresses all of us, saying whatever you do, do it heartily as for the Lord. The Holy Spirit is at work every day, not just on Sundays. So today's sermon has three points and then an action step that we will take together. And if you are maybe a student who's not usually here in worship, or you're someone who wonders how long these sermons really take, you can just track the three points and I promise you we'll get to an action step. Dorothy Sayers, who was a contemporary of C.S. Lewis, says that this is the failure of the church. The church has allowed work and faith to become like separate departments. The church's approach to an intelligent carpenter is usually confined to exhorting him not to be drunk and disorderly in his leisure hours and to come to church on Sundays. What the church should be telling him is this, that the first demand his faith makes on him as a carpenter is that he should make good tables because they are in a deeper sense being made for the Lord. So here's point one, as if for Jesus, do quality work. Quality work in and of itself glorifies God. Local businesses set this example. Look at Boeing's 737 or Amazon's prime delivery that comes practically before you push the button. Microsoft's reliable office software and Google, the name says it all. How we love the Lord with our whole heart, soul, mind, strength, and imagination is not just a Sunday task. We are called to make good tables. Work isn't the enemy of the spiritual life. It's a way to live it out. As a stay-at-home mom with two young kids, I remember the sense of loss I would feel every morning as my husband would leave to go off and do important things, and I faced dirty dishes and dirty diapers. In 500 AD, there was a saint, Benedict, who his job was to work in the kitchen. He worked in the kitchen every day, and he said all the utensils of the monastery should be cared for as they were the sacred vessels of the altar. All the utensils. Here's point two. As if for Jesus, all the utensils are sacred. A mom recently reflected on this idea, and she describes it this way. She says, I take the sponge and I rinse it in the silver sink. Nothing in this kitchen of mine is all that special. I've been living as if my daily mundane tasks the brushing of my son's teeth, the kissing of his scraped knees, as if they were nothing significant. I'm mesmerized by St. Benedict's words that the monks should care for every tool in the monastery, from the garden hoe to the kitchen cleaver, as if it were the very chalice of the Eucharist, the tool that brings the blood of Christ to the lips of believers. With Benedict's words, she says, I feel my world has been reborn holy. Suddenly, my life, the very sippy cup I fill with milk and raise to my boy's lips, is an instrument of worship. How did I miss it before? How was I so sure that God did not value my unimpressive daily life? Wow. I need that perspective. At home, now that there are dishes to be done and my son's gone off to college. At work, 
when there's piles of email and I really want to answer everyone personally and within 24 hours and I just get behind. What are the tools of your trade? A stethoscope, a keyboard, a spatula, scissors, your sales pitch, the heavy textbooks that you are now taking in your backpack to school every day. All the utensils are holy. All work matters to God. Point three, as if for Jesus, make your workplace holy. Our work provides a concrete crucible where we more fully recognize the brokenness of our world. You can even see it on the playground. There's a kid sitting alone that nobody's playing with. Or in the lunchroom. I heard the story of a six-year-old who went home to her mom every day of the first week of school and cried and said, nobody likes me there. And then guess what happened on Friday? Somebody sat by her at lunch. And she came home and said, I had a great day, Mom. Make your workplace holy. At our place of work, at the places that we go every day, in the, in the routines of our lives, there's an opportunity for the gospel's power to renew hearts and communities and even the world. Our Monday through Saturday life glorifies God through the quality of our work and our attitude. How could you make your workplace more gracious, more holy? What if both customers and colleagues felt affirmed? Are you ever jealous of a competitor? What if you affirmed them instead? What if you encouraged the person who is out of work? or the PTA parent who does the job you don't have time to do. A Yale professor studied organizational behavior in hospital custodians. What kind of a specific study? What he found out was that each of the custodians viewed their work as comforting patients and assisting families. What did they do to do that? They helped family members of patients find their way around the hospital. They joked with patients. They calmed them down so that nurses could insert IVs. Some even danced for the patients to distract them from those shots. That's what they said got them out of bed every morning. I enjoy entertaining the patients, said one. That's what I love about my job. When the professor looked at their job descriptions, do you know what he found? There was no mention of human beings in their position description. It was all about cleaning and tools and cleansers. But these custodians saw their mission to make the patient's lives better. What if we used our everyday tasks to serve Jesus and let his mission into our job description? Whatever you do, work at it with all your heart as working for the Lord. Today, I hope we're building a new mental model of being with Jesus in our work of loving God with heart, soul, mind, strength, imagination, of making our workplace holy. And I'd like us to have a look at one teacher's story and notice both the quality and the attitude that she brings to her work. My name's Katie Athman. I'm a kindergarten teacher at Sierra Heights in Renton, Washington. My job as a kindergarten teacher is to get to know each and every one of my students for who they are and to meet their social and emotional needs. So a typical day for me consists of greeting the kids at the door, then we come in and we do math and we do reading. We do brain breaks, getting the kids moving around, singing, dancing, um, reading, writing, and just making sure that learning is fun for all of them. 
I devote my time to my students because this is their time to learn and their future and I want each of them to succeed. We're all image bearers of God and as an educator, I see so many aspects of his character in my daily work. As a teacher, we get the opportunity to live out the commandment of love. We get the opportunity to show love and compassion to the students and families daily. So I feel like that is our greatest calling. If our students don't know that we love and care for them, they're not going to learn. I think education is totally about service to others, whether that be your colleagues, the families of the students, or our precious little kiddos. We live in an incomplete and broken world, and I see that reflected in my workplace. I work in a very diverse school where families face a lot of different challenges, and I just try to meet families where they are. It's difficult for me to see families struggling financially, students coming from unstable homes, and students not receiving the support at home that they need. I respond to these issues by showing compassion to my students and their families each day. My faith makes a huge difference in my workplace. Christ-like service to me means being present, being open and willing to talk to a coworker, a family, or a student when they need it, whether that be making copies, bringing them a donut to make their day a little sweeter, or just praying for them. For this school year, I would ask for prayers for guidance and wisdom. For me to be a light and share God's love with those that I encounter at school. And please pray for patience. 20 kindergartners in one room can be a bit frightening. So glad you guys are excited about this because the action step is coming soon. We all have roles and responsibilities that we play every day, and no matter how old we are, we have the opportunity to show God's nature. Just as Katie described, we are created in the image of God, and even God works. So I want to invite us to get out of this trap of believing that we can only encounter God on Sundays or in our leisure time not around places of influence in our city, like school, or the office, or the neighborhood, or the home, or the place where we work out, or the coffee shop. It's all God's sanctuary. It's an inspirational holy huddle on Sundays, yes, but it's supposed to empower our Monday through Friday life. So how can you integrate Sunday's worship into Monday? One elder told me that he takes his Bible to work and he does a kind of a reading and a devotional time and then he just leaves his Bible on his desk to remind him that it's really not about his business day, it's about a bigger picture, that even in defeat, God is with him. Maybe you lose sight of this goal by Tuesdays, but how can we keep reminding ourselves that our work, what we do is not just a job, it's our worship. As Katie said in the video, we're all image bearers of God, and his character is present powerfully in our daily work. It's also present powerfully in our community. And I think one of the parts of my story that makes it so hard to leave Bell Press is the eras of Bell Press have kind of been parallel eras in my own life. There was a time, and maybe some of you worshipped here, when Bell Press was just an A-frame building up on 100th. Anybody worship here then? Uh-huh. So Dick Leon had a vision that this church might be able to influence a wider community. And when the sanctuary was built, I was a woman, I think I was just about turning 30, a young woman, and they described that it would seat about 1,000 people. And I thought, oh my gosh, how will we ever have that many people in worship? And how will someone ever stand up and preach on, on those kind of Sundays? 
I also at that time was praying for children and went going through infertility and this church prayed us through infertility and adoption and there's some people from Sammamish Church, my husband was a pastor there and they prayed us through all that as well. Well, we built these buildings, and those kids got adopted, and they grew up, and then Scott Dudley came, and we built another building here at Press, the upper campus, and then I had cancer, and this community walked me through cancer. I preached bald. I mean, it was amazing, and there was a way that as one of your pastors, we are connected forever, and friends, I believe that that's what God wants for his people, that we belong to God and we belong to each other. So many times this summer, we have commissioned, I don't know how many different groups. We sent folks to Bolivia and Guatemala. We sent a team of families to Nicaragua. Well, what if we commissioned people into daily life, like tax accountants in April or retailers like Thanksgiving weekend and into December or teachers, right? So that's what we're going to do right now. We're going to be commissioning teachers and students and anyone who volunteers in a school and if you're a parent of a student, so get thinking. So are there any teachers here today? Please stand up. Anyone who actually teaches, teachers aides? Yes, let's give them a round of applause. Stay standing, others are gonna join you. So we've got counselors, we've got administrators, we've got, what else do you do? Does anyone volunteer in the school? Does anyone volunteer at Eastside Academy or Jubilee Reach? Please stand up, keep standing up. Okay, does anyone have a grandchild who goes to school? Please stand up. Okay, does anyone, a parent who has children who go to school, please stand up. Okay, if you are in school, please stand up, maybe give a shout what your school name is. Okay, this is a mighty thing. Now, if you drive by a school on your way to church, and if you can't stand up, please just make sure you include these folks. Okay, I'd like you to reach out a hand to someone who maybe stood up early along the way there, a teacher, like a student, an aide, and we're going to pray for these folks. We're going to commission them into daily life. Oh, good. Someone's praying for Scott, our church's teacher. That's fabulous. Let's pray. So, mighty God, we thank you that uh, you have called each one of us into some sort of daily call. Lord, I pray especially today for those who are involved in any way in education. We know that you yourself were a teacher, Lord Jesus, that you desire for the transformation of our minds, the renewing of our minds, that we might come to know you. So we pray for teachers. We ask that their daily work may be a part of the life of your kingdom, that their love would be your love, that they would reach out into the lives of students and families that they serve. Lord, we pray that you'd bless these teachers, teachers' aides, principals, administrators, counselors, special education teachers with an abundance of patience all the way through June. Lord, we pray for the parents of students who are standing, and we ask your blessing on these students. We pray your protection over each of them and of their schools, and we say now out loud the names of the schools that we are connected to. Sunny Hills Elementary, Texas Christian University. 
Lord, we ask for the flourishing of every student and staff person, that as students enter schools this week with their backpacks and school supplies and lunch, that they would go with you in their hearts. Lord, that their sense of anticipation may be eager, may be fearful, that they would know that you go with them. Lord God, we ask that they would turn to you with their questions rather than run the other way. We pray, Lord God, that you would bring friends, true friends, for these students, for these teachers, Lord, in our places of work, that you would cause us to be the kind of people that others are drawn to because they see a light in our eyes and in our life. Lord God, give us a voice of love, give us hands of service, give us hearts of worship every day of our lives. We ask in the name of Jesus, in the power of the Holy Spirit, amen.